Welcome to Burn Everything. This is a podcast where we primarily talk about art, creativity, culture, and everything in between. It's called Burn Everything because, well, everything's kind of fucked. And sometimes you just need to start from scratch and rise from the ashes. All right, I'm John Nicholas, and I use they, them pronouns. My name is Matt Nicholas, and I use he, him pronouns. We're both young creatives who happen to be related to each other. And let's get started. So to start the show, I was thinking we'd make it a thing to share one creative thing we did this week. I guess I'll go first. Um, So this week I started sewing a really cool costume for my band show. Nice, nice. Uh, This week basically edited a whole bunch of different uh, photography prints and uh, started putting them up for sale on my website. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Very, very nice. Very, very nice. All right. So a big part of this show is that we kind of both have like topics that we have prepared we'll kind of like go back and forth on topics and yeah, that's kind of how this show is going to work. We'll talk about it for a little while. Then one of us will bring up a new topic uh, and we'll change. We'll talk about that till we can't talk about it anymore. Matt, your topic is first. Cool. So yeah, one of the things is we uh, have tried to prepare some things that obviously neither of us know what we were planning on doing beforehand. So for my first topic, I was recently, I had an experience where one of my friends was, you know, asked whether or not, it is worth working for exposure and experience rather than, you know, actually getting paid. And, you know, exposure and experience is normally in quotes because that's in a lot of ways, I feel like can be a way of people getting kind of exploited in their work, especially in creative lines of work. So I guess I was wondering what your thoughts were as a very young creative and just getting started towards working for free and working for experience and exposure rather than a small wage of income yeah um i think that's i think that's something that's really like prevalent in a lot of industry especially with like unpaid interns i think is a very like thing that like that reminds me of about being like oh you're doing it for the experience like you'll you'll make connections or whatever um but i think the i think the problem there is that like that you're promising those connections and that experience but like you would get that same connection experience if you also had a paycheck. And the only the only thing that's like the only like reason you're not paying them is so you get free work. Yeah, it's it's free labor. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, which is I mean, I, I feel like no matter how you swing it, it's unethical. Like, you know, the term free labor is never used in like a is is always used in a very bad context because free labor is either like it's. Free labor, big air quotes around that for the viewers at home, or it's slavery. But that's, you know, that's just kind of how that works. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think there's a lot of pressure for young creative professionals out there to, you know, go out there and grit your teeth and just put your head to the grindstone and work and, you know, be able to work for free to try to learn and gain experience. And there's a lot to be said about that. I think that how much you learn in the, throughout the process of doing all that. But I'm not sure. I, I still have issues with it. I, I, I have done that. You know, I've worked for free on plenty of different, you know, film productions or doing photography things. And it just, I feel like always ends up leaving me feel like I was undervalued and can really actually be a big hit to some young creatives, self-esteem, yeah. especially too. Yeah, and I think I think especially that can be a very that can like 
very much put you in a in a role that like like psychologically like you feel like you are supposed to be that you are lower than others like even though like someone might like be better like a little bit better than you at whatever craft you do that's that's not an excuse to say like you are like monetarily worth less than i am which like your paycheck might be higher for whatever reason but that it 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 shouldn't it shouldn't be it shouldn't be that way and it also like real it it really hurts people and can really like put people in a place where they feel like they can't move up in whatever business atmosphere that is right i mean gaining the the experience and learning the skills is one thing but you then having the the like capital and actually having the money to then you know change and and work your business up to a place where you are like making money through your you know artistic work is another thing entirely and i mean i guess it's a off topic thing but i like the one idea that it's an older idea but i read it in uh, jay shetty's book think like a monk about how every single person you meet no matter if they are uh, industry professional or anything like that or just like 17 year old yeah. or whatever you have something to learn from every single person and something that that person you know, can teach you that you wouldn't know. And like, we're all constantly a learner, a follower, a leader, like all of, all of that combined. And to say that, you know, someone is not worth the value of even paying them to do this work for you is I think just so wrong. And I think it's something we, we need to definitely work out of. Cause I feel like people are in creative fields are so exploited, especially, especially in the film industry. I, I don't know if you've, been following along with um any of the stuff on instagram there but there's this account called ia stories um if anyone listening happens to be interested in film at all i would definitely check them out because it's a whole bunch of industry professionals you know submitting these really awful stories about productions just taking advantage of of their crew and the workers and all of that and i think that's prevalent in all sorts of different types of creative fields not just filmmaking yeah and i think I think back to what you said. I think that that's something that happens so often. I think because there there is this idea that like people love to exploit their power when they when they have it and like love to be able to overuse that and then like get gain from it. And I think what's what's so upsetting is like what you said already is that like since because everyone is so different and everyone is so unique and especially with like young creatives, I feel like that is much a like that is a very prevalent thing because people are, don't take them as seriously because they're like, oh, this is you're new to this. You don't understand, obviously. But the fact that they are new is an asset. And I think that's a, a thing with a lot of people that I think in general, that's a thing that people need to remember is that different is always an asset, whether it be that you are a person of color or that you are queer or that you are for some or that you're really tall. Like it's difference always makes like adds to the environment especially in creative like in creative environments because you are working from a place of of your own mind and your own being that is such a like you need that different voice in the room like you don't want to hear just from middle-aged white man number three because we've heard from him a whole lot i think that brings us back to the title of the podcast of very much that you do need to like sometimes just be like we've heard enough of this we need to kind of dust like burn that down and build a better building mm -hmm. start from scratch start from scratch wow yeah. lovely titling of that um mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Do well, have... do you want to move on to your Yeah, next we can topic? move on to my topic. Yeah. Um, let me get my phone out. All right. Um, so my topic today is going to be talking about um, like queer people in like more like modern movies and a little bit of classics. Uh, I had some other movies planned today, but I, I like in researching this, I thought this would be a cool topic to talk about. Um, so I wanted to talk about um, like in general, like people casting in movies, people being cast. So having like a straight actor play a like gay character and how that can be really detrimental um, while like still giving queer stories um, and like giving representation while also being super damaging to the queer community at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, so my examples of this are well, a good example of this of like a a movie that was created by like mostly queer people uh, and starred mostly queer people. And it was a story about queer people. Uh, the Boys in the Band is this one movie from Netflix. Have you seen this? No, actually. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's like this like movie that takes place in like this uh, in like 1968, and it's about like like a bunch of gay men in that era, uh, and they're basically they're like having this like birthday party kind of thing, and it, there's I don't know a whole lot goes on in it, mm -hmm. and it feels very like a one act. It's like based off of an older movie too. Um, it feels very much like a one act play of like, it's like takes place in one location. It's like a very small set of characters. Um, and they talk about a lot of really traumatic experiences with the queer experience. And it's also really powerful because it is from like queer actors. It is from like all gay men that have, that like have worked in the industry and it's, I don't know, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, and then I have another example of a movie that like doesn't do this um, as well is like, so you have like movies like love Simon, which is like, you're having a gay character being played by a straight actor. Right. Um, and also like other movies like the Danish girl where you're having a, like a, like cis man play a trans woman. Um, I haven't seen a Danish, like the Danish girl, but I, I know a lot about around it. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, my issue with this while like, I, I love seeing a, a queer story being told like that is a like like we just said like it like seeing that that narrative that like hasn't been told is super important and is great to see because a it gets representation it shows people that it is valid to feel that way you like you are like seeing yourself and feeling safe about it but the other issue is that it when you're casting characters that are that way but you're not giving it to a actor that also is that same thing it at the same time empowers people but doesn't actually empower them right it's so strange because like you know as an actor i feel like you would want to connect with whatever that that story is so heavily in order to bring about that role and then to say like like to have i don't know i'm trying to think of actor timothy chalamet play yeah. call call you by my name yeah. i don't actually you know his yeah i don't i don't know either right. um, um but what's the older guy in oh that guy? i know who you're talking in, about um Something Army Hammer. Army Hammer, yeah. He doesn't he have a wife? He has a wife. Yeah. yeah. So Which also so, means nothing. But I, like again, yeah. I, I mean again, but to have them play as like queer characters is I feel like really wrong. I guess uh, well, another topic that is in the same line of this is that I was thinking about starting um Q uh the Q Force. It's queer yeah. you know, the queer force. Yeah, um, I T V show well, on Netflix. We can talk about that in a second. But <laughs> I guess um what is in the same line with this is queer coding i feel like yeah. in films which is all like in this same line of hollywood not quite 
It's not enough. Not, not yeah. quite saying that like that the, these two characters were romantically yes. there, but but it's, it's like just it's like, the it's, it's the best like friends thing. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's the you know, and they were best friends the entire time. Yeah, and it's they, like no, they loved each other. Like they fully were in love with each other. They were roommates for forty, 40 years. years. They were buried they next best. to each other. <laughs> they wrote yeah. love letters to each other every day of their life. Yeah, they were best friends. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that always has rubbed me the wrong way. It was it yeah. was interesting because I w- I was having a conversation with my girlfriend um the other day as well about this, and I was trying to come up with examples of queer coding in movies, and it was actually really hard for me. So I don't know. I think I think a lot of that too is like I think it also comes from a lot of like stuff in I forget what the the law was. Um, because like in like, especially like in kids movies, like a really good example of this is, uh, Ursula. Ursula is, um, like a, like kind of like masculine coded character who is like coded as like, as queer, uh, but never outwardly said it. And also she's made a villain. Um, and that is like a really important part of it because like so often we have these like queer icon characters who are coded as queer um but are treated as villains so you have that same aspect of like of that little bit of brainwashing of being like queer people are bad they're like different and like on the edge of society kind of thing and i think that is a i think that's a big part of a lot of where that's i think it's damaging it's really damaging and i think um i think something that really like that i've thought about a lot is that like as a non-binary person i wouldn't I didn't figure it out till like, I mean, like it's never too late or too early to figure out like who you are as a person. Um, but I think I would have known much sooner if there had been characters that were like me and like that are non-binary and feel this way. And I think like back to kind of what I'm trying to say here and like this thing is that I think it's very important that we that at the same time that we when we empower like queer people and give queer stories we truly empower them we give we give that those roles to queer actors who sometimes are discriminated against just because of their queerness and yet we like are profiting off of queerness without actually giving the money to the queer people and then at the same time like write queer stories that like are actually helpful for people and actually like representing like who they like representing people and making people feel good and i think it's I think it's okay to like occasionally have a queer villain, but don't make it be like they are evil because they are queer. Right. I think it's, I think it's a lot, you're allowed to write a, a queer villain. And I think that, I think that is good. The same thing goes with, I think I was talking about this with a friend or I was listening to some sort of podcast about talking about like um, having women be the villain. And I think that is, I think that is a powerful thing, but if, pushed in the wrong direction it can be really damaging because i think it can you you can play into misogyny and homophobia and a lot of other things with that kind of attitude but you also in a great way can be like they're a villain and that's separate from their their gender or their sexuality or whatever and i think that that is super good storytelling and that is really powerful yeah i guess i've had this thought in my head that representation for representation sake is still not good it's not representation. good representation yeah and like i guess part of why i was interested in watching that q force show actually is because i've heard very mixed things about whether or not it plays too far into stereotypes i don't know something that i was like looking to queer force about 
uh, or Q Force. I guess it's I don't know. It it's, is. It is. It's it's Queer Force, but it's like Q Force. I don't know. It's weird. I like watched like part of the first episode, and I like watched some stuff around it in general. There was some stuff with it that I was like, either they like real like the trailer really like like just hit the like super like really stereotyped like jokes that they had which also i'm pretty sure like most of the creators around this show are very queer like most of the actors that are like that are portraying these characters very queer which is really good i don't know i i think i need to watch more of it to actually make uh an educated opinion on it but i i think there's i think there's some stuff in there that is that can be really good that it can be like subverting those stereotypes while at the same time making fun of it. right um but i think I think done in the wrong way, it can it can make those stereotypes worse. And I think that's a that's a really fine line. I think at the same time that you are trying to like subvert them, you can also like really show them off. And I think sometimes like just like being like, look at that stereotype over there, ha ha ha. I think is uh really can really, really like just bring more attention to it rather than actually making fun of it, which I think is the issue there. But yeah, that that's what I was trying to say in that like I guess it all comes down to people should generally try to write to their truth and empower, you know, other queer voices because they are the people that truly know like yeah. all of this and it shouldn't come down to someone queer coding it because they don't understand it yeah. but because they're trying to to give representation but like half-assing it almost, yes. you know. Yes. Yes. And I think that's the problem with how Hollywood has like continued to show queer representation. Yeah, and I think that's that's really prevalent with a lot of representation in general. I think um, is really good. I think um, to give a to be on the brighter side of representation, some the just to bring it into like the like yay good job. I I've been really I've been like rewatching like Steven Universe recently. Love this show. Um, it's so nice. There's like. It's very, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just so, it's just so nice. And there's just so like, there are, there is like inherent queerness, but it's never, it's, it's never something that's like super awkward or weird. Like there's, it's still like kids humor, but it's very like, you, you can make, you make jokes, but then it's like, it's not about the queerness. It's never nothing. It's, oh, it's, it's just kind of this like, it's just there. It's just there, yeah. and that's and I think that's what is super great and good. And I think it's it's also just like I don't know. I also I love that there's just so much like love and like power and like fluidity and just it's just gorgeous storytelling. I will probably talk about this show a whole lot more in this podcast. Mm. I'm just putting that out in the universe. Um, yeah. Um, do you want to go to your topic too? Yeah, sure. This is a very different switch up yeah. um, from talking about representation in film, but um, actually kind of also inspired by uh, the podcast that you had recently recommended to me, um, talking about how investing and finances are all very, um, you know, white male oriented. And there are so many different things that are kind of funneled or like made more complicated so that marginalized groups cannot have access to things and uh, have access to a better life as a result. And um, I'd been reading this book that, you know, a ton of people have recommended um, that's called the four hour work week by Timothy Ferris. And it um, has been really inspiring, at least for me as well, because 
I think it shows it shows people that there is so much more to just working and uh, designing your life around what you want it to be and have income come in forms of passive sources. So anyways, the main you know topic that I had been thinking about is building systems and products versus selling your time and how if we try to do that and if we you know are able to um, make that more of our focus as creatives um, that we're able to have so much more time doing the important work that we really want to do and making passive income from the side that can then support us as we're doing actually important work you know for example having better queer representation yeah. in films and writing that type of thing yeah yeah i think it's super important that we in general like in creative atmospheres like it's so hard sometimes i don't know it's a very complicated business thing that is like it's like it's art it should be simple it should just be i make i make something nice but like in living in a capitalist society you also have to be like how do I make money off of this to live? And I think that's, I think that's a, a struggle that a lot of people fear and also like feel. And I think it's also why a lot of like a lot of parents when like their children are like, I'm going to go into the arts and they're like, you'll never make any money. Yeah. The very stereotypical idea of a star starving artist. And um, yeah, you know how like there's no actual, like you have to work so hard or you either have to, I don't know, completely, like sell out to make money and all of that is um definitely i don't know i mean i know from my own experience with like what you were talking about with parents being like oh you're going you're dropping out of engineering i see ah yeah ah you'll that's not a smart idea yeah you know what you said there about the like the whole thing of not being able that you won't be able to make money without like selling out or thing i think is really I think that's something that is a perception that's really untrue. I, I mean, I think to some extent, I feel like selling out is such a like awful term. You know, as a true fan of whoever, you know, you're supporting, you want them to succeed and you want them to be able to have food for their family and, yeah. all, and all this and be able to support them. So, like, if you're willing to pay to, you know, I don't know go to their show go to their live show yeah or something like that and you know have fun doing it and getting something out of it i don't understand why that's selling out and it, it's it's sad that like that that's a reality i think every creative in some way has to sell out in some way yeah to be able to sustain themselves yeah i you think know? There, i don't think there is such a thing as selling out i think i think there's give like Letting your money go to corporations in places you don't like, I think that's a different story. But I think right there's the sponsorship deal yeah. from like Exxon or, or or like I don't know or big pharma. Yeah, some something some, awful like that. Yeah, you know that that Did, that's tr that's selling out. The, sure, that's the big the big mouse house. Oh yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. yeah, um, that kind of stuff. A very I think I think that's what people. I don't know. I think that's that's a thing that is like a big part of that. I think to be able to survive and like I think like I already said this, like to be able to survive in a like capitalist society that we live in, we have we have to make money. And I think that's it's that's really upsetting when you actually like really break that down and think about like, well, the US dollar isn't backed by anything. It's a construct. It's a 
Right, we have billions a, of or trillions of dollars in debt. Or but what does that, so actually, what does that mean? actually mean? Like, couldn't you, know? you just like say, "No, we don't," and then and just you wouldn't have any debt? Like, yeah. like, like, right? Like, and that's not actually how that works. But it's it's a it's a construct, and it's something that is really upsetting. This is a quote from another podcast, and I'll, I think it's a tweet, but I I love it. We really could have just like like sat around vibing and eating grapes, but we decided to make taxes. Yeah. Right. And and now we're here. Yeah. And now we're here. I don't know. I am in love with this uh, book called A uh, More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know as Possible. Um, I am forgetting the author at the moment, um, but I would recommend it to everybody because it talks about how um, our like mythos or like the story that we, you know, tell ourselves in general, at least as a Western society, that like we're all so individual and we all have to compete against each other and, you know, make money and, you know, the whole root of capitalism and all of that is just like so screwed up and like, we don't have to live like that. We really don't, but we do anyways. And it's, yeah. it's, uh, it sucks. But yeah, anyways, why don't that, we've gone off the rails on this we've topic. Really gone. So let's, um, okay, let's move um, let me on pick to one of mine. your next one. This is more representation things about queer people, but why not go into it anyway? Yeah, just yeah, sure. for shits and giggles. All right. So the thing I wanted to talk about is this like kind of trend of like non-binary people and like gender queer people and gender fluid people uh, being represented as like shapeshifters and like aliens and like that kind of stuff in media, mm. especially like as, as a really good example, I like have... Um, as uh double trouble from shira you i don't think you've seen shira but it's uh they're a character who like they shapeshift and they can turn into like different people and like are like very like actor centric uh the character is amazing i love the character i'm actually probably going to do them as a halloween character uh because i i really like it i i really enjoy um characters that are like non-binary and also shapeshifters However, I think there's a little bit of an issue there about coding people like that as mm-hmm. I think I think there's a little bit of there's an issue there in the sense that we've like we're literally othering them. We're being like, oh, you're a green alien person that's strange and weird and fun. Right. Which, while like like while like kind of upsetting, I do also really love that for me. Like I do love the idea of being like an alien shapeshifter thing. Which also could just be more of like a like I've internalized a lot of that coding um, as a non-binary person. Yeah, and used it as a sense of pride. Yeah, instead. and used it as a sense of pride. Mm. I think there needs to be a little bit of a shift there of just being like, this is a non-binary person who like may look androgynous, may not. And I think that's also a thing there is that we always attribute androgyny to non-binary people mm, however yeah. non-binary people can like be hyper masculine hyper feminine they can be like they can be whatever they want to be because that's mm-hmm. who they are yeah. and it doesn't matter um gender is a social construct so why give a why give two fucks um yeah and i guess like to talk about the shapeshifter thing i mean i think like you were saying it can be definitely a source of pride but it also if like played into too much and it's it's a very delicate line because then you're implying that somehow like you were saying that there's an other or that yeah. you know non-binary people are construed as you know non 
human somehow, you yeah. know, and that like that's, any, a, any, that's a really that's a dangerous. dangerous <laughs> that's really really bad. Yeah, that, like, that's a really dangerous con like concept of being like, oh, they're they're the other ones. Um, yeah, and I think especially I think that especially happens in like kids shows because I think it's so easy to be like to be like, oh, uh, this person's non-binary and they can like shapeshift and like be different people and like look like different genders at different times, which is like like also like a very real thing as a non-binary person like i have been told i like when because i'm a little bit gender fluid i also like go between like feminine masculine and androgynous and like everywhere in between but i still use they them pronouns all the time Mm -hmm. um that like i can like just like kind of like turn like turn things off and on and people like are very like sometimes people have mistaken me for different people it's a whole thing um which i think is very funny and very cool and something that i i do like about myself and that i i really do take as a source of pride but i think i think a little bit of an issue there is then like coding that for like kids can be really hard um but there are a lot of characters that are non-binary that are in normal television um i can't Mm -hmm. i can't remember their name they're on uh the show billions okay um and yeah they're they're very cool uh but also kind of really coded androgynously um yeah. which also like the concept of androgyny is so like weird in the idea of people's minds because most often we like attribute androgyny to like basically mask like almost masculine because okay. there is a yeah. very much idea of that masculine is the center which really comes from like misogyny and the patriarchy, patriarchy yeah. um but like yeah that i think that's there's a lot there that you could really go into but yeah, that was just I don't know. I think that's all I really wanted to say on that. That sometimes I really don't I really don't like when uh non-binary people are shapeshifters, but also sometimes I'm like also I do kind of feel that way. Yeah, I guess as long as it's uh done in a respectful yeah, way, a respectful or an honoring, way, yeah. like, you know. Yeah. And I like, think also like back to the example that I started at the beginning of the cartoon character, like Double Trouble is played by a non-binary person. Well, that's good representation. Um, yeah, that's and like that is very good. Um, and also like they've like like talked about and been like, yeah, I like I really do love this character because it like they are a really cool representation of non-binary people in general because they are so gender fluid and so like yeah, and I think I think it is really fun, but I think it can be also like really harmful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Are we at time? I don't know. All right, so we still have time. The producers. The producers say we still have time. <laughs> You're right. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. All right. Yeah. That was a jo- that was a joke because there are no producers. Where are the producers? That was. Awesome. Okay. So, I guess I don't know how you feel about this, but for anybody out there who is, I guess, a little more on the shyer side, or maybe it's more of like you're a perfectionist and you find it hard to like, you know, show your work out there. I think it can be really intimidating sometimes and to like just blanketly, if, especially if something's really personal to you, to just, you know, go and show that out to the world and on the internet or, and all of that. And so I was um, wondering if you wanted to talk about at all your feelings towards that, whether, you know, how you feel towards like showing some of your more artistic work or even personal artistic work and some, I guess, less intimidating ways of putting that out there that feel a little bit better for some of those type of people. Because I definitely feel like I lean in that direction, you know, yeah. uh, being a little on the shire side also 
tend to be a bit more perfectionistic with things. Yeah. So I, that's been something I've been actually working through lately is to try and find little ways to put my stuff out there that's um, that's not so intimidating, I guess. Yeah. I guess um, I wanted to hear your thoughts first, though, on like how, like, is that hard for you to share? I think um, there's certain things that I think are a little harder for me to like, like of my own art, my own, uh, my own art things um, to share. Like there's uh, like I write like like I have like a a little book that I write that is like I, I like I write a book, um, but it's kind of something that's like very just like I write it as practice and I write it as prep. Um, and I just to kind of like feel like get used to doing like get into the rhythm of writing and get into like a good space. And it's I don't know, it's something that's very personal to me that I don't I, I really like and I really enjoy, but I don't know how comfortable I would be sharing it with someone else because I think it is such a thing that like I feel so personally about. And it's like it's I've I've also like thought about the world a lot. And it's something that's very much just like this is a world that like I love and I like that I've feel comfortable in that I don't know if I'm ready for people to like mm-hmm. see. And I think that's, I think that's also, I think it's like sometimes really valid, but also like if it's something really cool, you also should be like, should feel ready when you are ready to be like, this is a cool thing I made. Welcome to my world. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that's a fine line. And I like, there are some things that I'm just like, Oh, this is kind of like, this is kind of bad, but I made it. Um, I don't know. I think that's something that I like go back and forth on because there are things I don't know. It kind of it kind of waxes and wanes for me because I there are things that I'm very much like this has to be perfect. But there are some things that I'm just like I'm like it's okay that it's not it's a little rough around the edges. Like I'm okay with that. Right. I have definitely felt like I am very particular about the stuff that I want people to see, and maybe that's you know because I want people to portray my work in a certain way or whatever like that. But um, I guess recently I've been. Another book recommendation, I guess, is uh, that I read this book called Show Your Work by Austin Kleon, and it's encouraging people who are kind of on the shire side of things to, actually really anybody, to just get their stuff out there and show your work. I mean, that's the title of the book. I think I think that's also like something that's a, a big part of like being in the art is getting past that like hurdle of being like, here's the art I made. Um, and I think... I think that's a big thing for a lot of people. Like stage fright is a thing that people get for people that are like theater actors, I guess. But I mean, it also it happens everywhere. Like yeah. you, you have that like split second before you're about to like hit submit or that you're about to like post it somewhere or that you're about to like walk onto the stage or you're about to turn the camera on. It's that moment that you're like, oh, people are going to see this. Mm-hmm. People are going to perceive this and think things about me because of it. And I think I think that is such a, a moment that is terrifying. But I think as I have, like, become my own artist and become, like, who I am, I think it's something that I, I've i come to enjoy, mm-hmm. that I've come to appreciate. Because um, there is a little bit of that adrenaline rush of being like, ah, like, it's it's dangerous, it's fun, it's scary. But I think, it's, I think, I think that there is a level of that that some people really don't like. And I yeah. think that's something that people... that people that are artists that also have that like sometimes have to work through and i think that's i think like you said like i think that's a really hard thing like i think it's a little bit harder for you than it is for me because i'm much more well not much more but i'm i'm a little more extroverted than you are and i think that's a i think that's a sometimes a factor with that and i think it's i don't know i think it's different for everyone i think it's a very it's a it's a really 
it's complicated because it's such a like it's such a cool thing that artists get to do that it's I, that I don't think is that everyone really gets to do. I think is that it's the it's that moment of being like I made something and it's something that's not from anywhere else. It's from like who I am as a person. It's something that like I like went inside myself and like did the hero's journey mm. um, and like came out with this. And I think I don't know. It's I think it's hard, but it's also really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely am one to think about like when I'm about to like post something or something like that, you know, and I feel like, you know, that stage fright almost feeling a uh, thought that like tends to help me is that most of the time I feel like people are, you know, so involved or obsessed with their own lives and what they have going on that they're not going to, you know, notice the the one mistake you make on editing a video or anything like that or they're not going to care for that matter um if it's something that you know they like and enjoy it'll probably be like oh that's like great cool awesome but then they'll move on with their day and like that's then that's the normal kind of thing yeah um with life and i think you know it all comes down to um when you consume a piece of work having the empathy to you know know how much someone put into that and worked through that that is something that I think about personally, because, you know, I am also a creator. And like every time I watch a movie, I'm like, oh, someone had to hold that microphone or <laughs> yeah. move that light there. And they pushed the camera, someone had an entire camera rig all, all over of there. that set back there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. They painted that. They made that from scratch. Like, yeah. It's, I don't know. All of that plays into that. So I think it's it's definitely like scary, but I think it's something that we all have to work through. And I think there are a lot of easy ways, like, you know, like like how I was saying initially, there are a lot of easy ways that are a lot less intimidating to kind of start sharing your work on a more regular basis. I personally just started um, a blog that I'm trying to share some of my stuff that I'm doing more regularly that's like, you know, a little less intimidating, I think, than say maybe a YouTube video where you're staring into the camera or something like that. I mean, th- I think there's so many different ways, like, I don't know. I was thinking as you were, um, you know, saying that you were writing your book, that there's so many anonymous like poetry or writing websites that people get, you know, feedback on their stuff from. And that's a lot less intimidating than being like, I just published this book. I hope no one hates it. Yeah. Like that type of thing. Yeah. Um, And I, I think there's a whole bunch of different ways. And I think it's something every artist has to work through. Yeah. You know, especially if like, I don't know. It's it's a self esteem thing. I feel yeah. like too. And um, every every artist has to kind of push their way through it. And I guess in that the show your work book, I I think they talk about kind of how you know you want to try to try to do something every day and put that out there and show that. Um, but then you also I think they call it you know that's you know your flow. You're you're kind of pushing you know, working towards something every day, but then you have the stock, which is like, you know, the, the YouTube video that you is really well produced or or the whole film that you made or, or or a book. Yeah. But like something you're working towards every day. And then the, the, you know, big chunk of material that then is like, this is like what my, my work is like that I really want to look at, but here's all the stuff that I've, that goes with with it, it that, that I did to do yeah. Yeah. And I think just remembering that people aren't as judgmental as you would think 
I mean, I know that's hard to say in this type of society, but I feel like as long as, you know, you're not judging your work too harshly, I think people will, 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 who like it will gravitate and find it somehow. Yeah. And I think, I think the, the root of that is vulnerability. Yeah. Is that you're literally like, you're like cracking your sternum and being like, this is what my heart looks like. Mm. Um, and I, (laughs) gruesome thought. (laughs) And I think that that's really scary like is being like this is like i have spent hours like months years of my life like on to like in this and you're looking at it and i think there there's a bit of like reverence as a viewer to be like oh okay and also a little bit of like self-respect of being like i might get hurt in this but i also need to be like i need to show someone this Mm -hmm. and i think that i think that's a part of that is is vulnerability is being like I, I, I this is i'm bringing this to theater as like because i think that's some that's something that i i work in a lot mm-hmm. but i also work in a whole bunch of other shit um mm-hmm. but it's very like a really powerful thing is like that i love to happen is i love making people cry in a like in a theater because sure, yeah. like like with like with my voice and with a song because i think it's such a it's a thing that like i have put work in I have put my own emotion into this song. I'm like in the song thinking about things that like if it's a really really emotional song, I'm like bringing in my own emotions about some like stuff that has happened to me and bringing that into it. And I think and that is vulnerability. And I think and that that moment where you like you bring that out into something and someone else can feel it. I think is what every storyteller, what every artist, because I think that's what all artists are. We're storytellers. Mm-hmm. We are giving someone else a story, a rhythm, a feeling. And I think th- that moment where someone else like reaches out and touches it is so gorgeous and beautiful. And I think that I think that's what everyone strives for. Every artist strives for is that 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 feeling of making someone cry, of making them laugh. Yeah. Making them feel. Making yeah. them feel. That was really well said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's your next topic then? That was on that a, was really great. Thank you. Um, on a really wild turn, mm-hmm. um, my next topic is um a short reading from my f- list of why I hate the TV show Big Bang Theory. Ah, great. This, I <laughs> I have oh yeah. I have a whole. So this is a thing that me and Matt talk about a lot about how I really I really hate this show. Like I I like so like I. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Let's just let's just pick a few. I, yeah, I'll, I'll start with this one. Um, are you are you uh, familiar with the term AVA? Um, AVA is in reference to um, African American vernacular English. Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah, so that. Um, yes, I don't know why I haven't heard the acronym. The, the acronym is sometimes yeah. sometimes the acronym. I just hear the acronym and then I'm like, what is the actual full acronym? Yeah. Um, anyway, but in the show they use it a lot. Um, in really subtle ways with uh, with white characters, yeah. Um, that is really like that. It's like, oh my god. Um, I I forget what it was, but they they it's always in a context of like saying like, oh, I I have like street cred, and then they like use the like AVA right after that, or like in the line, right? And then and then like the laugh track starts, and like ha ha ha, funny. And it, like if you're really paying attention, it's like 
It's like, no, you're fully just appropriating African-American people and also like in the same sentence, putting them down and saying that and adding that stereotype of like adding criminality to um, mm. like African-American folks, which I think is such a inherent part of that type of racism. Yeah, I mean, literally, I don't know. I'm just thinking about generally in that sh- in that show. It like is is there? Yeah, it's all all white cast except Raj, except Raj, who they who con- they constantly, constantly make, make fun of. Yeah, they const- in a in a like in a in a way that they they're like they call him like gay, like without saying it, but they like they call him yeah. a woman. Like they, it's a lot of a, a lot, lot of, of misogyny, a lot of, misogyny yeah. a lot of homophobia, a lot of like transphobia, well, and then racism, all and together. racism like, all rolled into one. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. All right. What's on, what's on next? Well, another on the list? another another part of this list is a lot of slut shaming that happens in the show about like mm-hmm. talking about like um like not like or like showing an amount of skin or showing like not a like not enough skin. It's like super like a weird part of misogyny that like is hyper specific that I've written down right. um, that they about, especially around like Penny, like, cause I feel like they very much play into that. Like she's the one, like she's the slutty one mm. or whatever. And it's like, it's like, no, she's a fully realized woman doing woman things as she should. Like, and I, th- and I think there's a whole lot of, well, I think she's also kind of the, the quintessential cool girl, yeah. Uh, internalized misogynistic character. Yeah. Yes. I think she's like exactly yes for to a T, the cool girl from Gone Girl, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, do you know what I'm talking you about? You know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, like Gone Girl was the whole shift in like the feminist movement. I don't know enough about all this to talk super intelligently about it, but yeah. I know that Penny is exactly like that character which yeah. is and also like all the other characters kind of play into it as well like i'm thinking like her polar opposite with amy in the show right yeah is well, is like playing into that yeah and it it's yeah it doesn't work it's just really really awful like all yeah. around and i think also like the inherent like like weirdness around like amy being like she's like oh she's the smart quirky one so she's not hot like it's like no i've met like like that's like super untrue and super Mm. like like a misogynistic and super like weird and just like a weird like weird stereotype like it's a weird stereotyping that's just like why why have you put this in here because like I have met like like a lot of like women in my life who are, like are like really really smart intelligent people which also like adding like like when you like are saying like someone is not attractive because they are intelligent usually is just because it's inherent misogyny and being like and well especially with women and anyone who's not anyone who's not a man um that saying they're smart so they're not attractive is usually just because they're like oh you are a threat to masculinity and to the the patriarchy. So you are unattractive. So you're deemed unattractive because you are a threat. Right. Is usually what that is. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's super disgusting. Yeah. And makes me super mad. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, even thinking about the God, it's awful that I remember like the, the show. Well, I mean, it was just like something that was always like on playing in the background, but yeah. Um, the beginning of the show is all men and oh, they're man. outwardly, you know, 
like their male gaze towards Penny. Penny, yeah. And that's 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 all it is. Yeah. And at the beginning, and then they're like, oh, you know, we should add, you know, more feminine uh scientist nerdy characters yeah. and oh but they you know can't be like the hot one you yeah. know like it's it's like like exactly like you were saying yeah yeah it, it's disgusting right i don't know there i there's a whole video online i'm gonna look it up while you are looking at the next question um that everyone should watch that's about in, the internalized misogyny in big bang theory yeah this great this great YouTube account. They don't post that often, but I will try to find it here as you read yeah. the next one. Uh the a uh, two in one of another reason why I really hate this show is so there's like inherent classism that they talk about all the time. About being like, Oh, you're like you don't have enough money to do that or like I don't know if that's a thing they actually say, but like a lot of like shaming for the amount of money and economic status someone has, especially Penny, um, right. which also comes back all the time to misogyny period um but like there is so much like shaming around money and like how much money you have and also like uh especially like also back to raj like like shame like even shaming for familial wealth like Mm. while familial wealth is like sometimes like a very different lifestyle and a very different like power that someone can have like a, you shouldn't shame someone for it but that person shouldn't also abuse it i don't think that happens in the show to my knowledge but I think it's also it's just a it's a thing, and I um that's one part of it. Another thing that I really hate about the show, they kind of set up Penny as like an like an anti um art character, like 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 an anti art narrative with her about being like um oh she can't go into the arts, and I don't know if that's misogyny because she's a woman going into the arts, or mm. if it's like we are industry professionals trying to tell you that you can't get into the industry. Right. Yeah. I didn't even think of that one because, like, yeah, she because she's the struggling actress trying to get into the starving artist into the um you know Hollywood scene and everything like that. And yeah, that wow. I I don't think I've ever really thought about that one because like because they're just like I I can think of so many good kind of examples of like that type of trope. For example, um, like La La Land. Yeah, it's the same type of thing, but it it's a lot more. and that one it's better it's, it's em- better it's empowering it's, it's impactful and empowering yeah. yeah but hers is just like wow i mean maybe it's it's could be written by you know like white men white, yeah. saying like oh yep you, you can't do that you, yeah you're a woman trying to make it in hollywood no no yeah like yeah it's really and i really hate that and now that i also think about it there's also very much like the i think they make a joke at one point about like when she's like going to a casting call and it's just like a bunch of other white blonde ladies mm-hmm. um, and being and she's like, there's no there, I'm so like like other people. And I'm like, a that's super damaging. That's really messed up well, to be like, like while they're while that is true, like she does have an inherent like like. Well, that's what I'm saying that yeah. that's the cool girl. That's the internalized misogyny to a T in a woman. That is like what what she like represents and that's what they're trying to say and or that's what they're saying in that like yeah like and that's the issue as well yeah like the problem you know and all of that by the way for anyone that's interested um i would definitely recommend uh it's called pop culture detective uh and he's got two videos on there um called the adorkable misogyny of the big bang theory and the complicity of geek masculinity on the Big Bang Theory. So both of those I've watched, and they are great videos. I, and on this topic, I would definitely recommend. Um, 
watching. And as another point, I love that channel. There's a lot of really good stuff in there in general about like a lot of really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the a really good one that I watched was about um, I think it was about it was about rape culture in um movies, and I think that's a a really big thing to talk about. Um, I didn't prepare a whole lot on that, so I am not in the space. Right, maybe that's or a topic not, for another. That might be a topic but, for another day. Yeah. Um, but definitely, I there's a lot of really good stuff on that channel. So if you have time, take a look. Yeah. All right. Anything else on your list before you want to? Why don't we? Why don't we tackle one to... more of the why Big Bang Theory sucks? Oh, this is more of an art thing. I think the dialogue sucks. Yeah, I think you know you really remove that laugh track, and I I wonder how much comedy is actually really there. Yeah. You know, and I don't know something that I look for. I know it's a sitcom TV show and all of that. Yeah. But something that I look at is. You know, as like a, I guess more of a filmmaker perspective is like they're literally just sitting in a room talking about all sorts of stuff, and like if the dialogue's not quite there, then what what's the meat of the show? Then yeah. it's just that they're playing off of that more, I guess, an untapped character type that they were looking is what they were trying to do. The yeah. geeky, like scientist characters that yeah. was the whole you know pitch of the show. I assume, yeah, and it's just like. I don't know. It's it kind of sucks. It's kind of like it's, yeah. I think I think I wrote some of this while like like watching one episode because I was like I'll I'll watch it only to make more of this list. Yeah. Um. Just to hate watch it at this point. That's yeah. Um. And I think it was I I forget there was some sort of line that was very just like it was a really bad joke and I was just like I was like why why is this this isn't funny like it's like. Yeah. Like, if you really break it down, like, there's not a whole lot of humor and not a whole lot of, also, like, not a whole lot of good story that goes on. It's just kind of like, this happened, which is also sitcom, like, but yeah. I feel like there are sitcoms that exist that are, like, are funny and impactful. Like, they're, they're, you can be funny while also, like, telling a cool story, at least having some sort of cool, like, interesting story, like... I don't yeah. know. I think I don't want to like be like a super snobby person and be like, like, like humor is not art. Um, <laughs> like that's that's super untrue. Like, but I think there, I think there could have been more there. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Anyway, we will probably revisit that topic because the, my list of why it sucks is pages long. Yeah, for sure. All right, do you have another topic, or are are we at the end of the episode? Okay. So wait, um, how? Do we end it? We, we end the episode by plugging cool stuff. So we've plugged a lot during this episode. Um, Matt's phone is ringing. Um, the phone. The phone is ringing. I'm going to plug um, plug my Instagram. I, I am on uh, John underscore Nicholas. That's N-I-C-K-O-L-A-U-S. I don't, I sometimes use Instagram. It's mostly just like pictures of me being hot. That's usually the things that do well on there. Um, which is really sad because I, anyway, I'm not going to talk about that. That's a whole topic about objectification of people. Um, and then I'll also plug, um, Steven universe. It's a great show. Uh, it's on HBO max, Hulu, not on Netflix, but it's great. If you have the money and the resources, please watch it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I am, um, Matt underscore Nicholas on pretty much everything. Um, and you can also check out my web website. It's just Matt Nicholas. It's N-I-C-K-O-L-A-U-S uh, dot com. And 
yeah um definitely go check out some of the pop culture detectives videos for sure and any of the books i mentioned are great i've really enjoyed them yeah if you're into creativity or you know showing your artistic talent out there to the universe definitely some of these books have been really helpful for me so i would definitely recommend them yeah uh, but yeah all right well this has been burn everything thank you guys bye